to the only Apex Legends podcast. You're listening to Skull Pearson. This is episode one of Skull Piercer. I'm your host, Jeff Wyckoff, a.k.a. Eat Crayons, and with me today is my most excellent co-host, Platt. Say hello, Platt. Hello. And we've also got our most righteous co-host, Sterling, a.k.a. Stretch. Hi there, everybody. We want to welcome you to this first episode. Skull Piercer is an Apex Legends podcast where we focus on the game, the community, and the uh, ever-long and arduous pursuit of self-improvement. This week on Skull Piercer, we talk about speed. And why Respawn can't just make all these changes that we're asking for on Reddit. But first, this weekend we had Twitch Rivals in Europe featuring streamers from all over the world competing for their share of prize pot on location in Berlin. But besides being the first big Apex Legends tournament, this was also the first event run on a private server. It's a custom server, and which means, well, behavior changed quite a bit from what we've seen in the past. Yeah, so it was pretty interesting to see, you know, you've seen a lot of other tournaments held on stream, but it's always been on live servers. So seeing kind of this first competitive environment on a custom server, you really saw from the beginning towards the end, towards the end of the Grand Finals, just how differently people started playing. Yeah, I mean, there's a few people that I watch on stream that are not quite as popular as others. You know, I think I've turned you over to a few of them, Platt, the uh, Cloud9 competitive team, for example. Yep. Yep. And watching them practice uh, for the previous Twitch Rivals events and the previous tournaments where they were all just like about making, you know, the biggest score you possibly could in a certain period of time on public games. It was, you know, all of them would just split up and start shooting their guns in the air to try to attract as many people to them. And then the team would collapse on whoever found somebody and then, you know, score a whole bunch of kills. That was just not the case this time around. No, if, they they played a lot more like we used to. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that a lot of that is because the objective has changed, right? It's no longer about racking up as many kills as possible, you know, in totality, but, you know, the survival also has a factor now as well. In the other tournaments, wasn't it more about, you know, kill count primarily over anything else? I mean, yes, the, the victory did have... A, a point total uh, you know attributed to it but it didn't feel as heavily weighted towards that or it didn't feel as heavily weighted towards it as the twitch rivals event live did no you're you're well, absolutely right yeah. like the the previous events um I, I, the last one that i remember i think you got a point for every kill on the team or every mm-hmm. you know confirmed kill on the team um and then you got seven points for uh, a win and I think the I don't remember exactly what the scoring was for the Twitch Rivals event. It was actually pretty similar. The difference being, though, that the people you're competing against are all in the game with you. Right. You know? Right. So like there, I think there were actually teams that were scoring big off of kill count. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Platt, but Dizzy and his team NRG they almost took like first place purely on kill count without winning like a single game in the grand finals. That's absolutely what happened. I, and I remember watching it, and you and I were watching it together, and I remember saying, like, you know, NRG might just win this off of kill count. I think it came down to 
Rogue being in the who they were kind of their their primary competitor in the uh, in the grand finals, it was came down to they need to get into the top three. If Rogue gets into the top three, then then they'll win. Um, but NRG in in the grand finals didn't win any of the games. Still came in second. Um, in fact, I think the last two games, I want to think say they came in eighth and ninth um, in terms of overall overall placement. Um, but in terms of kills, they were just so far enough. I mean, they were averaging 15, 20 kills, uh, you know, which is a third of the server um, right off the bat. And that that propelled them to second place, uh, which they were I think they were calculating based off of kind of money earned. Each each thing had a certain dollar value associated with it, whether it was kills or uh, kills or winning. Um, and you also got a three thousand dollar bonus, I believe, from killing the the champion from the previous game, um, which is another thing that I think propelled Rogue because I believe they ended up killing Dizzy, um, who had been the champion from the previous qualifier round. So it it was definitely a, a different, um, a definitely a different playstyle that developed. And I think you're absolutely right. A lot of it was because it's not just pub stomping. It's not just you know here's two hours, kill as many people as you can and try to get as many wins. Where it's like okay, we need to win quickly, we need to kill quickly, we need to have 15 minute games. Now it's all right, we need to survive and get kills, you know, and do this against, you know, 57 other people who are just as good as we are. Yeah, right? I think that one uh, another one of the big differences I just realized is because each one of these is taking place in just a single game, each one of the matches. In the previous tournaments, it was like just blitz games, you know, go as fast as you possibly can. If you die and you wipe out, then, you know, that's that sucks, but you just load up another game and get back in. So there was always scoring opportunity. This was the first tournament where we got to see, like, if you're out, your scoring opportunity goes away completely. Right. Right. The other thing is, is um, surviving denies points to other people who are in the match with you. It's not something that's, you know, super obvious, I guess. You know, it makes sense, though, right? If you're alive, you are no longer a point in someone else's pocket. So surviving, turtling up, cockroaching, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a way to slow down the pace of the game, give yourself more opportunities to get points in your own, you know, in your own basket and, and, and try to put yourself, you know, out in front of people in other games or in the other competitions where it was split up on live servers and you're not in the match with your direct competition, that opportunity is just not there. There's no reason to actually slow down because you're actually only, you know, falling behind in the race. So I thought that was an interesting concept, uh, thinking about it, you know, later on as well that just playing a slower game and being a more methodical player denies play opportunity to other people in the actual match with you that you're you know competing against yeah no good observation now uh you know i think we've said it a couple times now that like it wasn't just a pub stomp um but let's take a step back from the grand final and go to like the qualifying rounds because those were very very different the qualifying rounds i mean in the in the grand finals, those are actually games that are worth watching. There was one point where I, there, it was a circle that was like half the size of Repulsor, you know, so a pretty late game circle. And there were 11 teams still alive in that circle, which, you know, from our public games, our just typical play, that never would happen. Yeah. Like you're talking yeah. four teams max at that point. Um, but, you know, and things definitely got hectic in those qualifying rounds but the teams were also like a little lopsided right i mean we saw nrg in their qualifier did they take they i know that they took three they may have won all four like gotten chicken dinner to to use a common term on all four of their qualifier rounds 
against everyone else. And it wasn't even a big deal. Like they were just thrashing people. And it's because it, NRG had been training as like a, you know, professional gamers, um, you know, and they, and they looked the part, they looked good in their jerseys, yeah, you man. know, um, but they were going up against like Joe Schmo streamers and like, these are, you know, these are all cool people, but they are not, <laughs> they are not pro gamers. Yeah, well, as Twitch chat said, my boy Ratatouille was just stomping on, you know, some people <laughs> that have never had the, you know, had the experience of kind of playing together with a strategy. And they, so in those early games, even though NRG and Dizzy and his team were playing that style where they were kind of running around looking for as many frags as they could get, other teams still didn't have the same level of coordination. I think there was one point in the qualifier, I think it was the second game maybe, um, where they were just outside of, uh, I want to say it was runoff, and they were moving around a, a cliff there, and Dizzy ran in himself, and then the other his other two teammates, uh, King Richard and Asu, came around the other side of the cliff. So Dizzy goes in and engages this 1v3, and you're like, okay, here he goes again. Um, but the difference is, I think, compared to the other people in the game who it's like, let's all split up and engage these 1v3s and try to get as many kills as possible, the other two then come around the back. So while this, while Dizzy's you know, holding his own in that 1v3, then you have the other two coming up behind who just will wipe them out completely while their attention is, uh, is split. And you saw that be I think a big difference in that even though they were still running around looking for kills and, and pressing W as they would say um, just trying to, to get around the map like that and get as many kills they were still using some semblance of team coordination which other teams at least in the qualifiers didn't have yeah but then you kind of reflect like how much that changed and how successful that like how their success differed once they got into that grand final and they were actually up against you mm -hmm. know legit teams I mean obviously we have to give it to Rogue who, you know, won out, but like I saw Navi in there, like these are, you know, storied esports teams that are playing in this, uh, in this final, um, like Dizzy and team, they were making great plays and I would never accuse them of playing the way that like, you know, pugs do when they're just out in the open, but their strategy was still for the most part, like hold W to win, right? It was find as many people as possible and take them down, um, while making slightly more intelligent decisions. Compare that to Rogue. Rogue was uh, like, how did they put it? They were they were positioning themselves for success. Like every single circle, they were on high ground as a group, covering each other's backs and all the angles, and just like slaying people left and right. You definitely saw that with how it just always seemed like in every single one of the games, kind of like you said, they were in high ground. I think even the the, the first game I was watching, and I, you know, I, I wasn't really kind of paying attention to you know, their team in particular at that point. But then I was just like, they're constantly in the one build, like they're in the, the building from, from, from the second circle in the game, they were in the building that the, the circle that the final circle of the game landed on. And that, <laughs> that's, that's somewhat luck. That's actually all luck. But, you know, you could tell that they were constantly prioritizing getting in the circle, getting a good position in the circle. Um, and I didn't see if they were using Pathfinder to see if they could, you know, figure out where the next circle was going to be with the survey beacon. Um, and, you know, we can talk about that a little bit more with the character meta and how that might be more useful and competitive than in live server. But definitely they just always seem to be at the right place at the right time. They they didn't have that many kills early on, but then, you know, even though, you know, NRG got 15 kills, you know, through the mid game, you know, they'd be about two or three kills, but then at the final circle, they would kill those last, you know, 10 other squads and then still get a rack up a good number of kills to get a good score at the end. 
Yeah, yeah. Now all all together, I'm actually really enjoying that event, and uh, I, I loved watching it. Um, I'm hoping to see more. It was really exciting to see everyone playing on the same server for once. Um, you know, there's technical issues aside and, you know, low production value. Actually, I shouldn't say low. I mean, we're at the point that like League of Legends was like five years ago, right. which when you think about the fact that like Apex Legends is a brand new game and this is the first time that Twitch has ever done a LAN like this. Um, I think they actually did really well. I mean, think of the, how many computers they had to set up because not, not only was every one of those players in the game, but they were also recording and being streamed uh, internally for the Twitch stream. And most of them were out there streaming for themselves because they were all streamers. You know, it's TwitchCon, obviously. So, like, there's definitely places that they can improve on their production quality. But I kind of got to give it up to them for, uh, you know, pulling this off as smoothly as they did this time around. Um now, I want to move us on to Octane. Like, obviously not a new champion anymore, but he's the newest one we've got until we find this, uh, what is it, uh, Watson uh, is supposed to be the next one. But hmm. uh, so Octane hit, you know, we got a little preview before of his little jump pads. It turns out they're some of the most fun, you know, ultimates in the game right up there with the zip line. He's hypermobility. Um, and quite frankly, in my opinion, he completely changed the metagame. Like they just dropped him in and you saw certain people go away. Uh, how have you guys seen Octane impact your games like round to round? Um, I, I don't play as much as uh, either of you guys, but still play a fair amount. And I think that uh, at least when Octane first released, um, every team... Every single game, every that I that I queued up with had a had an octane in it, and he stuck around. Um, I think in terms of like high ranking popularity, longer than anyone else. And what I mean is, when the game first released, you know, when Apex Legends, you know, the, the floodgates opened and everyone was trying out, you know, whatever. Um, there were there were legends that petered off pretty quickly, you know, like uh, Caustic and Gibraltar, and you know, once hitboxes came into discussion, um, everyone discuss, you know, decided that those two, at the very least, weren't weren't worth picking up. But Octane, he the fact that he just speeds things up for your team so quickly in terms of uh, their mobility, his own, you know, forward mo uh, momentum potential and all that other stuff. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just find, uh, I, I find him, you know, to be pretty popular, but in terms of uh, impacting my games, I, I don't know if he, he does too much for me. Yeah, I think it's something that it, it depends on what level you're playing at. You know, we're all just average players and mm. I don't think any of us claim to be all that good. Um, but so I think at our level, like you definitely see people playing Octane and running around. A lot of times when I've had Octanes on my team or, or we've played with them, maybe we've had two people and we get that third person in there, they just kind of run off on their own and, and think think they're, you know, one of the Shroud or Dizzy and they just, you know, get killed in, in Skulltown or something. Um, so, and we actually have a friend that we play with who also would just, you know, be on Octane and be like, <laughs> I, I just said it was like, it made it easier for him to just run around and loot for 30 minutes because he could just get places before anyone else um, and then he'd die. So, you know, it's... It, for our level, I don't know how much it changed, but I definitely saw as you watch like streamers and people who play at a bit of a higher level, um, it sped up the game, and I really think it made other characters, other legends who have the 
speed built into their kit, it made them a lot stronger because we talked about that holding W strategy that you see a lot more in in, yep. in pugs. W with higher level for players win, where they W stands for win. You know, you just you you drop down, you split up, you get loot, and you just run off. And if you can one v three a squad, you try to one v three a squad. Maybe your friends try to speed over and, and help you out. Um, but it made people like you know, obviously Wraith was already good because of the hitbox, but so she stayed in the in the meta because she does have her own speed. You know, uh, Bangalore with her with her passive is really really good. But then Pathfinder, especially once the hitbox changes came out for him, where they kind of made it a little bit you know not absolutely ridiculous. Um, he just you just saw him just vault to the top uh quite literally uh zip line up there because he just has so much mobility so him and octane can just get around anywhere um and then you saw people fall off um i think we talked about how uh lifeline mirage you know those are characters that were played a lot um for different reasons you, but you don't really see at least streamers in higher levels you didn't see them played nearly as much once octane came out yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I don't know if Pathfinder, if it was purely because of the hitbox change, or if it was just that people realized that you know grappling hooks are awesome. Um, <laughs> but part of me actually thinks that when Octane came out, he was so fast that players realized how important mobility was, and that's why you saw so many teams that were just you know Octane Pathfinder Wraith or Octane Pathfinder Bangalore. Because they wanted teams that had tons of mobility that could get in and out of situations whenever they happened. And, you know, there's there's other reasons why, like, Caustic and Gibraltar and Mirage aren't played quite as much. Um, and we could, you know, spend hours talking about that. But one of the keys is that they can't keep up, you know? Like, if if everyone decides to hold W, those guys are always in the back. And, uh, you know, so that, you know, so that's such a popular meta is to just hold W and like, you know, people can't ambush you from behind if you're always running forward. Right. Uh, so, so, so those, those have like kind of fall behind, but this is going to just keep changing, you know, because we're going to, we're going to see new champions come out and, you know, I'm sure we're going to see some like anti-mobility champions. In fact, like the Watt traps or the Watson traps uh, that sit on the ground are apparently like electrified and everything. So I have a feeling that you'll see a few octanes like run into those and just stop or something like that. Who knows? But yeah, um, I mean, at least Bloodhound is still good, right? Yeah, I mean, Bloodhound, I have a special spot for because I, I I love playing Bloodhound. I think it's just the, the character that their character is just like really cool thematically and the ultimate is just like i bathe in the blood and then you start <laughs> screaming and running around like a wild person and you know it, it like it's really cool like you turn into like an actual hunter um but and i think at our again at our kind of just average player level bloodhound is great right because you have it you have the tracking you know his q can be good for you know catching figuring out where people are in a building if you're approaching it but really, I mean, his ultimate, just being able to spot targets. I mean, oftentimes when I play him or him or her, I don't even use the uh, the ultimate in fights. A lot of times I'm using it when we're transitioning mm -hmm. so that I can just spot team where teams are as we're kind of just running through an area. I'm like, oh, there's a team over there. Let's move in that direction because I can see them. And that's, you know, one of the strong parts about their ultimate. I think the reason you don't see bloodhound i was trying to rack my brain why don't you see bloodhound you know streamers picking up this character i think it's because a lot of those advantages that bloodhound's abilities give you aren't necessarily things that 
much better players need. Um, you talk about like the the tracking and the queue, uh, the the uh, the active ability, being able to see where people are. That's all stuff that if you're really in tune with BRs and in tune with FPS and you know how to use sound, you don't need. Um, likewise with the point. ultimate, if you're really good at spotting out targets, you really bloodhounds ultimate for a better player is just a speed boost and there's plenty of other characters as we just talked about like octane and you know bangalore who get speed boosts without having to expend a long cooldown ultimate and don't make all of this noise that attracts everyone to your exact that's location. a good point but you know you know what i have another theory why we don't see a whole lot of bloodhound on uh streamers and that's because when he pops his ultimate i find it actually really hard to watch like it, it's just that's true it's not a pleasant experience to watch. So, all right. Well, it's, last it's words hard, on yeah. last words on Octane. Um, you know, if you could change one thing about him, what would it be? Uh, stretch. Um, I think I agree. I think I was watching uh, Shroud and some of his suggestions on how to handle the ulti a little bit better. Uh, there's a little bit of landing lag uh, when you hit the ground after you use Octane Jump Pad. Removing that and giving a little bit more accuracy when jumping out of an Octane Jump Pad would, you know, create opportunities for really cool aggressive plays uh, that you can't really get anywhere else. So I'd like to see that uh, primarily. Okay. Uh, Platt? I, I'd like to see... Uh... I'm going to call this addition by not subtracting. Um, I think Octane's ultimate has a lot of very cool interactions uh, with, with some things that I don't know if they were intended or not, but I don't want to see them leave the game. And the one I'm thinking of mostly is Gibraltar. And I think we've all seen the, the uh, on, on the subreddit, the Gibraltar with the caustic, uh, the caustic canisters kind of shooting yeah. off in a giant <laughs> schlong off of his shield. Well, you can do the same thing with Octane's jump pad. And then whenever, you know, so you have the, the jump pad on Gibraltar's shield. Anytime he looks down, he bounces in the now, air. Have, you, just, like, have you seen the, new, the latest interaction people found out? If you throw the jump pad on an, the side of an open container, it actually like oh. rockets you so far that it, you can go off the map. <laughs> oh, and we're talking yeah, see, like from the center I, of the map you can just like th there's there's a video on reddit right now of someone who actually got out to the dinosaurs oh really oh yeah. see that, oh, no. that that's stuff i don't want to see gone <laughs> i think it's just it's just those funny little things and yeah i guess in a competitive environment like no one's gonna do that but it's just those little interactions i don't want to see those go i, I like those things it's kind of like how with wraith if you put her portal inside of a door and then close the door and someone goes through it it kills them i mean those sorts of things i don't want to see ever leave the game because they're just like small little interactions that are fun um and i really love the idea of for example, Caustic putting, you know, six canisters on the end of a Gibraltar, a Pathfinder ziplining to it, and then the, the Gibraltar spinning in a circle and, and whipping around the Pathfinder <laughs> like a like a helicopter blade. I don't, I don't want to lose that from this game. And I, I hope once they do like a, a a replay mode or some sort of like custom lobby where you can do a, spe an, a spectator thing and you can start doing some content creation, I, I have some real I'm really interested to see what the community will come out with. See, uh, the only change I want for Octane is uh, I want when you use his Q, uh, I want you to be able to like melee attack right when he pulls it out and throw it at somebody for like five points of damage. That's really all I want from Octane. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be uh, great. But they, but they also, but it, it, there's a downside. They also get a speed boost. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Or you know what? Here, let's 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 meta this a little bit. How about you can melee, if you melee whenever you uh, are boosted, you pull it out and you throw it at your opponent, and they get the speed boost for anything that was left inside. 
Oh, yeah. like or if you throw it at your team, it does the same. You could do it to your teammates too. Give them a speed boost. Yeah. He's gonna become the Lucio of. Uh... <laughs> but they also take the health loss that you take when you initially use it. So Ooh, like, you can, yes, you can troll Excellent. it a little bit with it, or there you, you could kill it. You could kill an enemy with it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fantastic. See, what we're doing right now is uh, an exercise in armchair game development, which is uh, a, a fantastic segue into our uh, final topic for the episode. Which is, uh, you know, said Reddit, why can't Respawn just implement all of my change requests? Why can't they put this piece of thing in the UI? Why can't they make this change to the map? How come the Mozambique spawns so much? What about the icons <laughs> over people's heads? Those all need to change. Why can't they just do it right now? Well, I, I do have to say something. I do have to say something first. We need to get this. We need to get this off our chests and never do it again. Okay. Mozambique, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're done. All right, keep going. Sorry. It will come back. Yeah, that's. that's I feel it. I feel back. it already. It's welling up with inside me. Yeah. <laughs> stay, stay tuned for episode two coming at you two weeks with more Mozambique. <laughs> so, so like game development. I just have to say this. I'm in. I'm in the games industry. I do not make video games. However, I just want people to know. Game development is way harder than everyone on Reddit seems to think. Like, just way harder. I mean, when you uh, take away even just the act of, like, putting together a piece of software that runs, then, like, I don't know. How, how much time do you think it takes, on average, to squash bugs in that piece of software uh, but, you know, aside from the amount of time it took you or compared to the amount of time it takes to actually author that piece of software. It can like and squashing bugs can vary. Like sometimes sometimes like squashing a bug is super simple. You know, you, you go in, you're like, oh, <laughs> we put three instead of two. But then I don't know. It's bug squashing can be so rough. I, yeah. I I honestly a lot of times bug squashing um f squashing one bug can take you know days weeks it, it it's it depends on how deep seated the problem is and how quickly it takes to actually find it sometimes you find a bug almost immediately and you have no idea how to fix it without breaking six other things yeah. So it's it depends on you know how good your how good your team is you know how obvious the solution is how complex the problem is for a, like if you considered I don't know what's a what's a good bug I guess every once in a while I've watched some clips of Octane Ultimate not actually launching somebody and instead they like do a little short hop and then spike down to the ground again that bug. It could be anywhere. It could be an issue with the way the physics are going. It could be a way, you know, something to do with how the the launch is actually. It could be a difference in character models. It, it, it could, could be, be a so server latency problem. Yeah, it could be a server latency. So when someone says, when are we going to fix this bug? Who knows, man? And it <laughs> might be. It, it could also, you know, depending on how big your team is as well. There's priorities, man. Like, in order to keep people interested in your game, you might need to get the next character out. I don't know. Like, that might take a front seat to other different issues that are that are going on. So when people get frustrated, you know, that things aren't changing quickly enough or there's problems they want to see, you know, um, uh, you know, removed, um, I really feel bad sometimes, depending on how, how aggressive, you know, people get with it. Because uh, I've been in software development and... Uh, 
It's a uh, it's it's a lot more difficult than people make it out to be. Yeah. Well, okay. So so you've been in software development. So how about this? Like aside from the bugs, hmm. what about you know you you come out, you build this piece of software, launch everything, and then you know one of your clients chimes in and is just like, hey, could you like change this one little simple thing that uh, you know is over here? Like this box is too big. Uh, and I also want it on the right side of the screen instead of the left side of the screen or something like that. Because we get a lot of those, like, change requests through Reddit. You know, people who are just like, oh, the UI, UI needs to change this way. And uh, you need the, like, the commands on the wheel to be shown on, like, the left side of the screen when I'm using them also on the map. And, like, those are all things that people think, like, oh, it's just such a small thing. Right. How come it can't be done super quick? Usually what I would say is that the person who's developed the software has likely thought of what you're suggesting before. At some point, someone on the team has come up and said, oh, we could, you know, make it do this, that and the other thing. It got discussed and they made a decision one way or another for one reason or another. Um, that being said, not everything, of course, you know, the team's not omnipotent. They're not all knowing. They're not going to think of absolutely everything. Um, but um, there's usually a reason that they thought of. Um, to make a, a thing a certain way and uh, they can get a little bit picky with uh, choosing what goes in there. I can't speak to, you know, uh, respawn themselves, but I, I imagine that uh, the reason a lot of these things uh, don't, a lot of suggestions don't make it in is A, workload, and B, um, there's, there's a, a philosophy that they're following that they would like to adhere to. Yeah, yeah. You you know that they've got a wall in the office that has a whole bunch of sticky notes on it or, oh, is, yeah. you know, or maybe it's, uh, you know, they, they have some kind of, you know, agile development board that has everything prioritized and they can only work on so much, you know, like and and despite despite what you might think, you know, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook commenters, uh, the people who are responding to your comments on the site are not the people no. Who are <laughs> make, doing development? I mean, because every now and then a developer will get in there. But uh, here's the here's the story of uh, developers, uh, people working directly on the game, going in and like weighing in on Reddit. They go in, they say something very honest. Everyone jumps on top of them and tears them to shreds and makes them feel really bad about the game that they're developing. And then they never go back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's 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 truly sad because they get torn up about it. They like they they say, well, this is this is why it is. You know, here's here's uh, here's why this is the case. They get torn up about it, and here's what they do: they look from their left screen to their right screen where they've been working on a bug for six days that they still can't figure out the solution to, and they're like, well, a thousand people hate me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still can't fix this problem that I've been working on. Uh, Oh yeah. well, <laughs> be be nice to your devs. I think I think the the whole point that I'm getting into here, the the point that I want to make to the community is one: be nice to your devs, because uh, you know if you chase them away, if you're mean to them, then they're just gonna like you know go back into their hidey hole. And once you end up at the point where the only like public contact that you have with the game is through uh, a post to the website and the community manager talking to you then you're not going to be happy with the level of communication that you get, you know? So make these guys feel welcome. But the other is just like, you know, try to cut back on the armchair game development. Uh, figure that like even the little things take days, weeks to implement and then test and make sure that it's not going to introduce a new bug 
and crash a server or whatever you know and we we've all experienced a game where they added a new feature and that feature just broke everything once it got to live so well yeah i mean we played league of legends for 10 years so we know something <laughs> about bugs oh, no, dude. Oh. but you know if, if i can play the role of the uh, the audience here since i am not a software developer right, um, do it. you know wh- why then do- doesn't the why what is the even if it's the community manager you know why why do you think and maybe respawn made some mistakes in this realm why do you think they don't really give updates as regularly or have some sort of timeline what why do you think you know, developers are so apprehensive about saying when something's going to be ready or oh. what their priorities are, you know, even saying, because I think a lot of um, frustration that comes out of the community isn't necessarily that something isn't getting fixed or, you know, you get those some piece or this, this piece of content isn't being put in, but it's, they don't know what the priorities are. So when they yeah. see, they hear nothing or they, they see, you know, one thing happening, but a certain bug not getting fixed, they're like, well, well you know, why, why isn't this getting fixed? What, what are you doing instead? What could possibly be your priority? And then unfortunately the, the art team or the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the business side of things comes into it and they're like, and they drop a new skin and they're like, well, you spent all this time working on this skin and you didn't do this. Like, so wh- why is it that they don't, you know, <laughs> give an update on what their priorities and timelines are all to right. the, uh, the people playing? It's, it, it's a lot of it. Um, or this is my opinion is that a lot of it is likely because in the software development world, um, you it's, it's, it's actually a skill to estimate times on when you're going to fish, uh, fix things or when how how long it's going to take to fix things how long it's going to take uh, to design a new feature how long it's going to take to test something um, and a lot of times those estimations simply just don't end up correct you think that it's going to take uh, three days to fix a bug we already found what the problem is we just need to implement it um, the implementation of the bug does take those three days but it introduces a new bug that didn't happen you didn't happen to fine until it went through its regression testing in in QA. Then it's got to go back and go through the loop again and again and again. So the second that you say uh, we found the issue to these issue uh, to these problems or we're going to introduce this new feature, it'll be out at this date. If something goes wrong with it, then you give the community a new thing to complain about. Wow, these guys are late on this thing that they said they were going to fix or give us, you know, the new version of whatever they said they were going to give us. Um, And I think that it's smart for them to not actually do too many updates with especially specific dates or timelines because um, with how with how complicated the software is, you don't know if you're going to hit all of those dates every single time. So it's better to have those large gaps where you can give guaranteed, you know, more positive information rather than, um, you know, potentially negative. Yeah. You know what? I think this was actually addressed by one of the uh, communications folks at respawn on Reddit a few days ago, but, um, I've, you know, having been in this situation for games where people are just clamoring for some kind of update, the reality is, is that there's no game developer in the world that wants to make a promise to players that it can't keep. And there's so many variables in development of these games, like you said, Stretch, that, you know, what seems like a sure deal could end up for some reason becoming something that just never comes out. I mean, well, the obvious, uh, the obvious one that uh, comes to mind is uh, Dance Studio and World of Warcraft. I mean, that was in progress, never finished. It got announced, put onto boxes, and people ended up asking for it for years, and it still hasn't come out, you know? Like, that's... And that's what, peop, that's what a developer doesn't want, because 
uh, for many of these people, especially on their communication side, they see that like their level of trust with us as players is directly proportionate to the number of promises that they make versus the number of promises that they're able to fulfill. And, you know, saying that they're going to do something and then not doing it is like the, one of the worst things that they could possibly do. So yeah. they'd rather deal with concretes, you know. They're, so instead, they're going to wait until a feature is done and slated into the patch and all the marketing people and all the developers and everyone has given it the sign off and everyone's ready to go. And then they're going to say, yeah, hey, we've been working on this feature. Here it comes. But anything that's like before that point, the best that we could possibly expect from the from the commute or sorry, from the developer is for them to acknowledge that it would be, you know, needed or cool or worth working on or something like that. And that's when you get into like, you know, best practices that you see if, you know, any of our League of Legends players are familiar with like the way Riot communicates. You get a lot of that from the Riot side, you know, they'll come in and they'll just be like, oh, yeah, that's that's a really bad experience. We'll have to take a look at that done, you know, and you won't hear another thing about it until they actually release a patch. Right, right. right. Remember when um, there was no replay system in League yeah. and, they, <laughs> and they said they were going to work on it? And like everyone would always ask about it and they're like, yeah, 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 it's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. And it became a meme for like years, right? Like, yeah, it, it, there was like, <laughs> like four it, straight years. While, yeah. Imagine if they had started, if they had tried to put dates on that. Yeah. If they had tr like, like partway through, they're like, yeah, we think right. We've got it at a decent point. It's working. Give us like three months. And then like two years, like they'd have to keep pushing it back and back and back and back. And then people would be like, this is insane. What's going on? How come it's not ready? But you're putting out well, all this other stuff. And how come we don't, we're not getting this one thing that we want? Well, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny because it's like, uh, it's kind of like the battle pass. I mean, Respawn did have a little mini episode of this with the battle pass and, and putting it out. I don't think they ever actually gave a date. They just said in March. But, yeah. you know, the community and, and, you know, sometimes the community, can, you know, people in the community can be like that, that it's always sunny in Philadelphia meme with like the, you know, the string between the different uh, <laughs> pieces of paper on the bulletin boards, figuring, trying to figure things out. And they're like, it's it's going to be, you know, it's going to be March 1st. Yeah. And then nothing happens. And I don't even think they ever promised that date, but then it's going to be March 15th. And I think on Mar it was on the 15th that they started dropping the uh, the like emo like the devs came in to the Reddit and started dropping like emojis and stuff yeah. and like the poop emoji. And it just became <laughs> like people got so angry. And because their first battle pass, which I think any reasonable person could have expected, it was going to probably be a little bit more tame because they did just release a game with, you know, a ton of skins and content already in it that most people don't have any of because of their pricing system. Um, so they weren't going to put out the first battle pass with a ton of stuff in it, but because there was such negativity around the, the release date, it is interesting to see how that kind of carried over into people being disappointed in the battle pass. Um, and I wonder if that's going to make them has going to make them gun shy. Cause when respawn first dropped the game, which by the way, they didn't give any indication they were going to do. They just kind of did it one day. Um, when they first dropped the game, they had talked about, I think it was the community manager said, I'm going to be giving, you know, daily updates or weekly updates. And that, I mean, that's definitely, you've definitely seen them pull back on that a lot after the battle pass saga. Yeah. But now at the same time, I do want to give them credit. They are doing a good job of continuing to communicate, uh, mm -hmm. especially when you compare it to other games out there. And especially when you consider the relative size of respawn, 
versus some of these other groups out there. You know, like there's there's not someone over at EA who's handling communications for them. They're handling it internally, and that's fantastic. I think they're doing honestly. I think they're doing a great job. So, well. This is actually the part of the episode where we would normally jump into like, you know, hopefully some emails, stuff like that. But this is obviously episode one. So uh, if you have anything that you'd like to email us about in the future, you can do so at team at skullpiercer.com. And we would love to hear from you, get take your questions, whatever. The good ones, we'll go ahead and put it on the air. The bad ones, we're just going to go ahead and ignore uh, but you know, hopefully we get more good than bad and there's just no way we're ever going to be able to read every single one of them. But again, team at skullpiercer.com. So, um, you know, we're about to get into, uh, our last words here. But before I do, I, I want to actually, uh, revive something from the previous, previous podcast where we actually give you, you know, something specific. Like if you can't think of a topic to write us about, then answer this question. And we'll go ahead and give our, our best on the next show. Uh, so if you could duct tape any two weapons together or any two items together to make a new weapon, what would it be? Now, uh, you know, to give you an example, I'm just going to throw mine out there. I would put a backpack onto the alternator because I find the alternator everywhere. And uh, quite frankly, all I use it for is like holding other stuff. So if I could just get a couple of extra like inventory slots along with that alternator, I might actually hold on to it for a little bit longer. But, but, uh, uh, but the, the, the three turbo chargers that you find on the on your alternator, they don't do anything, but yeah, they hold them you for know, you. You, so know you find that here's, here's a hint, people. If you find three turbo turbo chargers, you probably don't need all three. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know. So if you can duct tape any two weapons items in the game together, make a new one. What would they be? Go ahead and send that to us, team at skullpiercer.com. We'll take the very best responses and, uh, you know, read them on the air. Uh, you know, before we get to our last words, um, if you got this far, first of all, thank you very much for listening. Um, if you'd like to show your support for the show, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We're actually going to read all of our five-star reviews on the air at the end of every single episode. So, you know, if you want your friends to, like, hear your name, that's an easy way for you to get on the show. Uh, if you'd like to send us comments, questions, your thoughts, you can reach us at skullpiercer.com, uh, team at skullpiercer.com. But you can also leave comments on our website where you can always get the latest episode. And that's at www.skullpiercer.com. And finally, you can follow us on social media. We are uh, skullpiercerpc on Twitter and Instagram and soon to follow with uh, Facebook. So last words, gentlemen. What's in... The next Apex Legends update. Yeah, you want me to make something up? Because I, you know, I, I, I really want dual wielding wingmans to be a thing. I think that would be a uh, dual wielding wingmans. <laughs> you heard it here first. Next update according to Platt: dual wielding wingman. Stretch. The, Mo right, the Mozambique can wingman. take a, uh, a precision choke, so you can charge each shot. All right, and I predict that energy weapons will automatically regenerate ammo over time. Yep. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Skullpiercer, and don't forget, be legendary. <laughs>